Section 36 of Italian Hours by Henry James. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. The Saints Afternoon and Others. Part 1. Before and above all was the sense that, with the narrow limits of past adventure, I had never yet had such an impression of what the summer could be in the South, or the South in the summer, but I promptly found it for the occasion a good fortune that my terms of comparison were restricted. It was really something at a time when the stride of the traveller had become as long as it was easy, when the seven-league boots positively hung for frequent use in the closet of the most sedentary, to have kept oneself so innocent of strange horizons that the Bay of Naples in June might still seem quite final. That picture struck me a particular corner of it, at least, and for many reasons, as the last word, and it is this last word that comes back to me after a short interval in a green, grey, northern nook, and offers me again its warm, bright, golden meaning before it also inevitably catches the chill too precious surely for us not to suffer it to help us as it may is the faculty of putting together again in an order the sharp minutes and hours that the wave of time has been as ready to pass over as the salt sea to wipe out the letters and words your stickers traced in the sand let me at any rate recover a sufficient number of such signs to make a sort of sense. 1. Far aloft on the great rock was pitched as the first note, and indeed the highest of the wondrous concert, the amazing creation of the friend who had offered me hospitality, and whom more almost than I have ever envied anyone anything, I envied the privilege of being able to reward a heated, artless pilgrim with a revelation of effects so incalculable. There was none but the loosest prefigurement as the creaking and puffing little boat, which had conveyed me only from Sorrento, drew closer beneath the prodigious island, beautiful, horrible and haunted, that does most of all the happy elements and accidents towards making the Bay of Naples for the study of composition, a lesson in the grand style. There was only above and below, through the blue of the air and sea, a great, confused shining of hot cliffs and crags and buttresses, a loss from nearness of the splendid couch and outline, and the more comprehensive mass, and an opportunity, are not lost, I assure you, to sit and meditate, even moralise on the empty deck, while a happy brotherhood of American and German tourists, including, of course, many sisters, scrambled down into little waiting, rocking tubs, and after a few strokes, popped systematically into the small orifice of the Blue Grotto. There was an appreciable moment when they were all lost to view in that receptacle, the daily psychological moment during which it must so often befall the recalcitrant observer on the deserted deck, 
to find himself aware of how delightful it might be if none of them should come out again. The charm, the fascination of the idea is not a little, though also not wholly, in the fact that as the wave rises over the aperture, there is the most encouraging appearance that they perfectly may not. There it is. There is no more of them. It is a case to which nature has, by the neatest stroke and with the best taste in the world, just quietly attended. Beautiful, horrible, haunted. That is the essence of what about itself Capri says to you. Dip again into your Tacitus and see why. And yet while you roast a little under the awning and in the vaster shadow, it is not because the trail of Tiberius is ineffaceable that you are most uneasy. The trail of Germanicus in Italy today ramifies further and bites perhaps even deeper. A proof of which is precisely that his eclipse in the Blue Grotto is inexorably brief. And here he is popping out again, bobbing enthusiastically back and scrambling triumphantly back. The spirit in truth of his effective appropriation of Capri has a broad-faced candour against which there is no standing up, supremely expressive as it is of the well-known love that kills of Germanicus's fatal susceptibility. If I were to let myself, however, incline to that aspect of the serious case of Capri, I should embark on strange depths. The straightness and simplicity, the classic synthetic directness of the German passion for Italy, make this passion probably the sentiment in the world that is in the act of supplying enjoyment in the largest, sweetest mouthfuls. And there is something unsurpassably marked in the way that on this irresistible shore it has seated itself to ruminate and digest. It keeps the record in its own loud accents. It breaks out in the folds of the hills and on the crests of the crags into every manner of symptom and warning. Huge advertisements and portents stare across the bay. The acclivities bristle with breweries and restorations and with great ugly Gothic names. I hasten, of course, to add that some such general consciousness as this may well oppress under any sky at the century's end the brooding tourist who makes himself a prey by staying anywhere when the gong sounds behind. It is behind in the track and the reaction that he least makes out the end of it all, perceives that to visit anyone's country for anyone's sake is more and more to find someone quite other in possession. No one, least of all the brooder himself, is in his own. 2. I certainly at any rate felt the force of this truth when on scaling the general rock with the eye of apprehension, I made out at a point much nearer its summit than its base, the gleam of a dizzily perched white sea-gazing front, 
which I knew for my particular landmark, and which promised so much that it would have been welcome to keep even no more than half. Let me instantly say that it kept still more than it promised, and by no means least in the way of leaving far below it the worst of the outbreak of restorations and breweries. There is a road at present to the upper village, with which till recently communication was all by rude steps cut in the rock, and diminutive donkeys scrambling on the flints. One of those fine flights of construction which the great road-making Latin races take, wherever they prevail, without advertisement or bombast. And even while I followed along the face of the cliff its climbing consolidated ledge, I asked myself how I could think so well of it, without consistently thinking better still of the temples of beer, so obviously destined to enrich its terminus. The perfect answer to that was, of course, that the brooding tourist is never bound to be consistent. What happier law for him than this very one precisely, when, on at last alighting, high up on the blue air, to stare and gasp and almost disbelieve, he embraced little by little the beautiful truth, particularly on this occasion reserved for himself, and took in this stupendous picture. For here above all had the thought and the hand come from far away, even from Ultima Dulli, and yet were in possession triumphant and acclaimed. Well, all one could say was the way they had felt their opportunity, the divine conditions of the place, spoke of the advantage of some such intellectual perspective as the remote original standpoint alone perhaps can give. If what had finally, with infinite patience, passion, labour, taste, got itself done there, was like some supreme reward of an old dream of Italy, something perfect after long delays, was it not verily in ultima duli that the vow would have been piously enough made and the germ tenderly enough nursed? For a certain art of asking of Italy all she can give, you must doubtless either be a rare raffiné or a rare genius, a sophisticated Norseman, or just a Gabriele D'Annunzio. All she can give appeared to me assuredly for that day and the following, gathered up and enrolled there in the wondrous cluster and dispersal of chambers, corners, courts, galleries, arbors, arcades, long white ambulatories, and vertiginous points of view. The greatest charm of all, perhaps, was that Thanks to the particular conditions, she seemed to abound to overflow in directions in which I had never yet enjoyed the chance to find her so free. The indispensable thing was therefore an observation in reflection to press the opportunity hard, to recognise that as the abundance was splendid, so by the same stroke it was immensely suggestive. It dropped into one's lap naturally at the end of an hour or two, 
the little white flower of its formula. The brooding tourist, in other words, could only continue to brood till he had made out, in a measure, as I may say, what was so wonderfully the matter with him. He was simply then in the presence, more than ever yet, of the possible poetry of the personal and social life of the South. And the fun would depend much, as occasions are fleeting, on his arriving in time in the interests of that imagination which is his only field of sport at adequate new notations of it. The sense of all this, his obscure and special fun in the general bravery, mixed on the morrow with the long human hum of the bright hot day and filled up the golden cup with questions and answers. The feast of St. Anthony, the patron of the upper town, was the one thing in the air, and of the private beauty of the place there on the narrow shelf, in the shining shaded lodges and above the blue gulfs, all comers were to be made free. Three. The church feast of its saint is, of course, for Anna Capri, as for any self-respecting Italian town, the great day of the year, and the smaller the small country in native parlance, as well as the simpler accordingly the life, the less the chance of leakage on other pretexts of the stored wine of loyalty. This pure fluid, it was easy to feel overnight, had not sensibly lowered its level, so that nothing indeed when the hour came could well exceed the outpouring. All up and down the Sorrentine promontory, the early summer happens to be the time of the saints, and I had just been witness there of a week on every day of which one might have travelled through kicked-up clouds and other demonstrations to a different hot holiday, there had been no bland evening that somewhere or other in the hills or by the sea the white dust and the red glow didn't rise to the dim stars. Dust, perspiration, illumination, conversation. These were the regular elements. They're very civilised, a friend who knows them as well as they can be known had said to me of the people in general, Plenty of fireworks and plenty of talk, that's all they ever want. That they were civilised, on the side on which they were most to show, was therefore to be the word of the whole business. And nothing could have in fact had more interest than the meaning that for the thirty-six hours I read into it. Seen from below and diminished by distance, Anna Capri makes scarce a sign and the road that leads to it is not traceable over the rock. But it sits at its ease on its high, wide table, of which it covers, and with picturesque southern culture as well, as much as it finds convenient. As much of it as possible was squeezed all the morning for St. Anthony into the piazzetta before the church, and as much more into that edifice, as the robust odour mainly providing there a loud room for. It was the odour that was in prime occupation, and one can only wonder how so many men, women and children could cram themselves into so much smell. 
It was surely the smell, thick and resisting, that was the least successfully to be elbowed. Meanwhile, the good saint, before he could move into the air, had, among the tapers and the tinsel, the opera music and the pulpit poundings, bravely to snuff it up. The shade outside was hot, and the sun was hot, but we waited as densely for him to come out, or rather to come on, as the pit at the opera waits for the great tenor. There were people from below, and people from the mainland, and people from Pomerania, and a brass band from Naples. There were other figures at the end of longer strings, strings that some of them indeed had pretty well given way, and were now but little snippets trailing in the dust. Oh, the queer sense of the good old Capri of artistic legend, of which the name itself was in the more benighted years, years of the Contadina and the Pipferaro, a bright evocation. Oh, the echo on the spot of each romantic tale. Oh, the loafing painters so bad and so happy, the conscious models, the vague personalities. The beautiful Capri girl was, of course, not missed, though not perhaps so beautiful as in her ancient glamour, which nonetheless didn't at all exclude the probable presence with his legendary light quite undimmed of the English lord in disguise, who were at no distant date marry her. The whole thing was there. One held it in one's hand. The saint comes out at last, borne aloft in long procession and under a high canopy, a rejoicing, staring, smiling saint, openly delighted with the one happy hour in the year on which he may take his own walk. Dropped and tonsured, but not at all macerated, he holds in his hand a small wax puppet of an infant Jesus and shows him to all their friends, to whom he nods and bows, to whom in the dazzle of the sun he literally seems to grin and wink, while his litter sways and his banners flap and everyone gaily greets him. The ribbons and draperies flutter and the white veils of the marching maidens the music blares and the guns go off and the chants resound. And it is all as holy and merry and noisy as possible. The procession down to the delightful little tinseled and bare-bodied babies, miniature St. Anthony's, irrespective of sex, led or carried by proud papas or brown grandsires, includes so much of the population that you marvel that there is such a muster to look on, like the charades given in a family in which everyone wants to act. But it is all indeed, in a manner, one house. The little high-niched island community, and nobody, therefore, even in the presence of the head of it, puts on an air of solemnity. Singular and suggestive before everything else is the absence of any approach to our notion of the posture of respect. And this among people whose manners in general struck one as so good, and in particular as so cultivated. 
the office of the saint of which the festa is but the annual reaffirmation involves not the faintest attribute of remoteness or mystery while with my friend i waited for him we went for coolness into the second church of the place a considerable and bedizened structure with the rare curiosity of a wondrous pictured pavement of majolica the garden of eden done in large coloured tiles or squares with every beast bird and river and a brave diminuendo in especial from portal to altar of perspective so that the animals and objects of the foreground are big and those of the successive distances differ with much propriety here in the sacred shade the old women were knitting gossiping yawning shuffling about here the children were romping and larking here in a manner were the open parlour the nursery the kindergarten and conversazione of the poor this is everywhere the case by the southern sea i remember near sorrento a wayside chapel that seemed the scene of every function of domestic life including cookery and others the odd thing is that it all appears to interfere so little with that special civilised note the note of manners which is so constantly touched it is barbarous to expectorate in the temple of your faith but that doubtless is an extreme case is civilization really measured by the number of things people do respect there would seem to be much evidence against it the oldest societies the societies with most traditions are naturally not the least ironic the least blasé and the african tribes who take so many things into account that they fear to quit their huts at night are not the fine flower four where on the other hand it was impossible not to feel to the full all the charming riguardi to use their own good word in which our friends could abound was that afternoon in the extraordinary temple of art and hospitality that had been benignantly opened to me hither from three o'clock to seven all the world from the small in particular to the smaller and the smallest might freely flock and here from the first hour to the last the huge straw-bellied flasks of purple wine were tilted for all the thirsty they were many the thirsty they were three hundred they were unending but the draughts they drank were neither countable nor counted this boon was dispensed in a long pillared portico where everything was white and light save the blue of the great bay as it played up from far below or as you took it in between shining columns with your elbows on the parapet sorrento and vesuvius were over against you naples furthest off melted in the middle of the picture into shimmering vagueness and innocence and the long arm of posadippo and the presence of the other islands procida and the stricken ischia 
made themselves felt to the left. The grand air of it all was in one's very nostrils, and seemed to come from sources too numerous and too complex to name. It was antiquity in solution, and every brown, mild figure, every note of the old speech, every tilt of the great flask, every shadow cast by every classic fragment, added its touch to the impression. What was the secret of this surprising amenity, to the essence of which one got no nearer than simply by feeling afresh the old story of the deep interfusion of the present with the past? You had felt that often before, and all that could at the most help you now was that, more than ever yet, the present seemed to become again really classic to sigh with strange elusive sounds of Virgil and Theocritus. Heaven only knows how little they would in truth have had to say to it, but we yield to these visions as we must. And when the imagination fairly turns in its pain, almost any soft name is good enough to soothe it. It threw such difficulties but a step back to say that the secret of the immunity was style, but what in the world was the secret of style, which you might have followed up and down the abysmal old Italy for so many a year, only to be still vainly calling for it? Everything, at any rate, that happy afternoon in that place of poetry was bathed and blessed with it. The castle of Barbarossa had been on the height behind, the villa of Black Tiberius had overhung the immensity from the right. The white arcades and the cool chambers offered to every step some sweet old piece of the past, some rounded porphyry pillar supporting a bust, some shaft of pale alabaster upholding a trellis, some mutilated marble image, some bronze that had roughly resisted. Our host, if we came to that, had the secret but he could only express it in grand practical ways. One of them was precisely this wonderful afternoon tea, in which tea only, that good as it is, has never the note of style, was not to be found. The beauty and the poetry at all events were clear enough, and the extraordinary uplifted distinction but where in all this, it may be asked, was the element of horror that I have spoken of as sensible? What obsession that was not charming could find a place in that splendid light out of which the long summer squeezes every secret and shadow? I'm afraid I'm driven to plead that these evils were exactly in one's imagination. The predestined victim always of the cruel, the fatal, historic sense. To make so much distinction, how much history had been needed, so that the whole air still throbbed and ached with it, as with an accumulation of ghosts to whom the very climate was pitiless, 
condemning them to blanch forever in the general glare and grandeur, offering them no dusky northern nook, no place at the friendly fireside, no shelter of legend or song. End of section 36